This is part three on the coming of the Son of Man. So I wanted to do this one to kind of wrap up our discussion of Son of Man. We're going to return to it, but in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, we have Jesus telling some pretty apocalyptic type things about the coming of the Son of Man. So in chapter 24, verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, when will this happen? And when will it be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And this is right after Jesus left the temple and said, not one stone is going to be left upon another in the temple. And then he says, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are yet the beginning of the birth pangs. Okay, then we have, um, I'm going to leave the rest of this Matthew 24 for another episode, but it's predicting the destruction of Jerusalem. I just wanted to highlight the sections where he puts in the coming of the Son of Man. So in verse 27, we see, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 30, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So the coming of the Son of Man in heaven, like we've seen in Daniel 7, is he comes at a tumultuous time, right? We've had the four empires previously who have destroyed, you know, conquered Israel, conquered Jerusalem, um, are oppressing the people of Israel. And now we have the coming of the Son of Man coming in judgment against those. And Christ explicitly says, you know, this is going to be the sign of the Son of Man. He'll send his angels with loud trumpet call. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the son of man. From the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the son of man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left left. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. So we've seen son of man used in quite a different, different ways throughout the gospels. We're going to see it more often. Um, when Christ says, you will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven that we discussed in part one to Caiaphas, he rips his clothes. And one of the reasons too, is because the son of man is going to bring judgment upon those people who are oppressing his holy ones, right? If we go back to Daniel's prophecy in Daniel 7, the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. The kings who speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws, the holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times and half a time. So 
the holy people are going to be oppressed by these foreign opponents and empires that are going to beat them and persecute them and kill them for a time, two times, and half a time. So it's going to be a season of persecution that comes before the the judgment of the Son of Man. But then what happens is the court sits, the dominion of these kings who oppress the people of God, their power is taken away, and they'll be completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdoms will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Okay, so now we move back to Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 when he talks about the coming of the Son of Man will come quickly. He'll come in judgment. There'll be false messiahs. Um, You'll be given over to persecution. So the coming of the Son of Man is, yes, it's a victory. Yes, it is the coming of the one who receives all the dominion from the Ancient of the Days. But leading up to his coming and his judgment, there's great persecution. This is what we see in Matthew 24 and 25. Now, Let's go to a story. Now, I wanted that to serve as more of a prelude to what Matthew 25, verse 31 and following is discussing. Because um, I be- I think people take these sections far too individually. And what I mean by that is they read into this individual souls when the subject of the separating of the sheep and the goats refers to the son of man's judgment on those who have either hurt the beloved hurt the saints of the most high or those who have helped the saints of the most high. So in in verse 31 in Matthew 25, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations of the earth will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So we have all the nations of the earth are the subjects, right? And what what's happening is the Son of Man comes in judgment, just like we've seen in Daniel 7. In Matthew 25, Christ says that the Son of Man is going to come in judgment and separate the nations. Now, you're scratching your head if you're thinking like, well, isn't this just Christ's judgment on each individual soul? And yes, there's a particular judgment for each soul, but this isn't the subject of this of the Son of Man prophecies. And I, I think it's a very Protestant reading of Matthew 24 and 25 to basically abstract these from the context of Daniel 7 and say, oh, what this is, we're, we're going to use this to preach hell and damnation to individual souls who don't individually follow their salvation and, you know, cry out to Christ, save me, and now they're saved. Of course, that's very important to ask, you know, have this personal salvation, but you don't mistake the individual for the social that um, salvation is in no way purely individual. You're saved into the church. And so likewise here with the separating of the sheep and the goats, the judgments of the empire is, uh, well, let, let's just continue. He's judging these empires. He's judging the nations, but what is he judging the nations about? Then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? 
When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Then you will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are accursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do to the least of these, my brethren, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And then immediately after this, Jesus said these things. He said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. And then we have the chief priests and the elders of the people assembling to scheme to arrest Jesus and secretly kill him. Okay, so Matt, this this separating of the nations into, you know, what's the judgment on these, on the nations? The judgment is how they treated the least of the brethren of Christ. Now, who are the brethren of Christ but the church, right? You know, if we go all the way back to Matthew 5, you know, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Um, the Christian and you know, the Christian exists oftentimes in nations that aren't fully Christian. And how they treat the Christians, whether they persecute the Christians or whether they accept the Christian, determines whether the nation survives. This is a big claim, but I wanna I wanna say what what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 is preparing it's preparing the disciples to see that the killing of Christians and the killing of Christ himself that the Jerusalem Pharisees and Sadducees do ultimately determines why the Christians have to flee Jerusalem. And in 70 AD, the Romans come and destroy the temple once for all. This is something, if you're not really familiar with the history, can be, uh, it seems like a small event, but the destruction of the temple in 70 AD basically ended Judaism as it was up until that point. There, there, the Pharisees had to completely um, reinvent Judaism uh, after the temple because the temple was everything. When the Romans came in 70 AD and destroyed the Jerusalem temple, it was cataclysmic. It was apocalyptic. I mean, it was, it was so intense. We're going to do some episodes on the destruction of the temple later. Um, but what Jesus does here in this parable of the sheep and the goats is say, um, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. One stone's not going to be left upon another because not only did they kill Christ, but they killed many other Christians. St. Stephen, James the Just, the Jerusalem authorities and religious leaders are bringing their people into destruction. And so what happens there? Those who lead their people into destruction against Christ and destroying the gospel will be thrown into the eternal fire with prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, if we take this purely individually, then I feel like we're missing the point. What Josephus describes in the Jewish war is a hellish state of affairs, that Humanity is not a collection of individuals. We, we really exist socially as a corporate whole, as a, as a body, right? And so the Jerusalem temple authorities had been leading the, the Jewish people into perdition. 
and into evil and into a hellish state. And because they had rejected not only Christ and crucified him, but also had persecuted all the Christians, their days were numbered, right? They were going to enter into uh, the destruction, the eternal fire, right? And, And notice it's for the devil and his angels. And if we go back to Matthew 4, when Jesus is talking, when, when Jesus is, you know, uh, tempted by the devil, the last thing that the devil offers Christ is all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them, right? And, and it's because he can actually offer it, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Christ rejects this offer. Um, but the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, all the kingdoms that do not enter into the kingdom of heaven are ultimately going to end in destruction. End in, you know, no empire has ever persevered, you know, <laughs> into eternity. The only, the only kingdom that's going to persevere into eternity is the kingdom of heaven. And so those nations that do um give glory to God by clothing and feeding and visiting and welcoming the Christian, those nations that do accept that. One thinks of Constantine, for example, when he sees the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens, which is the cross, um, he converts and he converts all of Rome with him. And it took a very long time for pagan Rome to turn into Christian, you know, the Christian Roman Empire. Um, but it did. And what happens? What's what's the reward if a Constantine does this? They receive the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And that kingdom of peace in the reign of Christ is not merely an eschatological kingdom. And by that, I mean that kingdom doesn't just get realized in the next life. It gets realized here on earth. The church and the peace of Christ in the church and the giving of the Holy Spirit uh, brings the eschatological reality to bear on the present. So when you enter the church, it's not like, oh, well, I'm entering it hoping for the kingdom of heaven eventually. You are, but in a certain sense, you were living the kingdom of heaven now here on earth. And so those nations that accept the accept the Christian and accept Christ, you know, first through natural goodness that leads them to supernatural virtue and supernatural faith, well, they get to receive the inheritance of the kingdom. Those kingdoms which set themselves to reject Christ and to persecute and destroy Christians are going to end up in the ash heap of history, as the phrase goes, along with the devil and all of his angels who are trying to basically establish kingdoms that are apart from Christ and apart from the church. So I I, I wanted to extend you know, this section to Son of Man to apply here because I, I find it to be a, a huge misunderstanding of Matthew 25, and people take this far too individually when more of a, a corporate social element uh, should be seen here. And I think we should also understand that like, we are saved as the church, as the called out ones, as the body of Christ in union with each other, and not merely as individual agents for an individual God who individually saves us. Um, and this becomes, you know, the prototype for all nations, whether or not they're going to accept the Son of Man and the Saints of the Most High. And as we know from Daniel 7, the court will sit, his power will be taken away and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. We know how this story ends. All the kingdoms, like he's saying here, that are the goats that do not accept the, the progress of the kingdom of heaven, they're going to be destroyed. 
they won't persist. Uh, and all those kingdoms that do, um, will be, will inherit the kingdom of, uh, of, of Christ. We'll, will inherit the kingdom prepared for them since the creation of the world. This is the ultimate end of the church. This is the ultimate end of humanity. As the fathers would say, the world was created for the sake of the church. We were created to be in union with Christ and in union with one another through Christ and through the church. Powerful stuff in Matthew 25. Um, this is going to be part three, and I think I'll wrap up on the Son of Man with this. It's going to come back, but I wanted this to serve as kind of a trilogy of this messianic title. So that's going to wrap it up for part three, and I'll see you in the next one.